0: This episode of Mind of Mitch is brought to you by Discount Cough Syrup Plus. Since 1996, DiscountCoughSyrup.com has been the world's most popular provider of Discount Cough Syrup. Now it's entered the streaming wars with its new service, Discount Cough Syrup Plus. Choose from dozens of film and TV titles, including The Next Karate Kid, the 1991 Jason Bateman football comedy Necessary Roughness, the Hill Street Blues sitcom spinoff Beverly Hills Bunce, and several short-lived 1950s sitcoms that are now in the public domain. Be sure to check out uh, both of Discount Cough Syrup Plus's original series, Tomato Mike, starring Kyle Chandler as a tomato farmer who gets struck by lightning and becomes a porn star, and Nitwit vs. Dumbass, a one-hour drama about two idiots competing to see who can be named the Guinness Book of World Records' dumbest person. Go to DiscountCoughCoughCoughPlus.com and sign up for your free 30-minute trial today. This episode is also sponsored by the guy in your graduating high school class who was still angry about the Sopranos finale. Kevin, who hated virtually every scene from the series that did not contain violence, has not stopped talking about the finale, especially its ambiguous final shot, since it first aired in June 2007, and insists that it actually ruined the rest of the series in retrospect. Kevin believes that the show should have ended similar to the Breaking Bad finale, possibly with a murdered Tony sprawled on the restaurant table, with a distraught Carmella crying and hugging his lifeless body, and AJ overpowering the assassin and strangling him to death. He also would have had Springsteen's Born to Run playing on the jukebox, as Springsteen is from New Jersey, and he is mentioned multiple times on the show. Kevin also thinks it was a mistake to not have any nude scenes for the main female cast members and that the therapy scenes weren't needed and only took up airtime that could have been devoted to more sex or whackings. Kevin manages a Swiss chalet and is attempting to sell an NFT of Looney Tunes characters depicted as characters from Sons of Anarchy. Finally, we're also brought to you this week by Rendezvous avec Chainsaw, the new paperback thriller from best-selling novelist Tom Brash. I Wanna Drop is a contract killer hired by the U.S. government to take out the one-person stopping America from invading Iceland and taking control of its highly valuable aluminum and fish. The catch? That person is the president. Critics are calling Rendezvous avec Chainsaw Brash's finest work since "Contretemps avec Power Drill and Assemblée avec Sledgehammer. Soon to be a major motion picture coming in summer 2022, starring Durango de Malici and directed by McGee. Rendezvous avec Chainsaw is in stores now, Now let's start another episode of WTF, I'm sorry, Mind of Mitch. Thank you and welcome to another episode of Mind of Mitch. My name is Mitch Beerenson. I am a 50-year-old, recently remarried, divorcee, and father, and this is my audio diary. Had an interesting week, I recently got my belly button pierced, at the urging of my new wife Esmeralda. She has, at last count, 82 piercings, 72 of which are on her back. I meanwhile have never had anything pierced before. I think that's mainly because I don't enjoy pain, and I've never thought I'd look good with one. However, Esmeralda convinced me that I'd look young and sexy with a ring put through something, so I figured what the heck. It's not like a, a tattoo, which doesn't just heal over. Uh, Ismeralda, by the way, has 12 tattoos, which are also located on her back. They are, at this point, uh, entirely obscured by her many back piercings. I asked her why she got so many piercings in this area after getting tattoos, and she explained that she thought of it as a nice surprise for anyone who got close enough to peer underneath her rings. I suppose it was quite a revelation the first time we made love when I got my first good look at that area and saw both a mosaic of steel and several expert etchings, most of them depicting Minnie Mouse snorting cocaine. Anyway, the process was unique. Esmeralda got in touch with the guy who's done all of her piercings, a fellow who answers only to iguana. Due to COVID, he hasn't been operating out of his studio over the last year but rather with a collapsible bed that he sets up outdoors after driving to a client's residence. So last Saturday he drove to my house and set up his quote-unquote operating table on my front lawn. He then spent the next 20 minutes sticking a ring in my eyebrow. This process attracted many a passerby who apparently had never seen a public piercing. I managed to roll with this development uh, right up to the point at which some uh, local teens started throwing eggs at us. Not individual eggs, mind you, cartons of eggs. I can tell you that Iguana did not find this funny at all, and he ended up chasing down one of the children and punting him 20 feet in the air into a tree. Some firefighters had to come and get him down, and his parents are suing Iguana for child punting. Not the official charge, but you get the point. And he's now banned both me and Esmeralda from using his services again. The piercing looks good, though, I guess. I I don't know, it's just a ring through some skin. Even though it would have hurt more, I wish I'd actually gotten a small tattoo. Maybe just a tiny rendering of Warren Zevon on my butt, or maybe the Desecki's guy, or maybe the Desecki's guy quoting Werewolves of London. Anyway, the tattoo banning has really upset Esmeralda, and it's led to probably our first real fight. She seems to blame me because I'm the one who actually called 911. She apparently thinks this was a form of narking, quote-unquote, and that the situation could have been best resolved among the parties involved. I asked her how this could be, as I'm certain none of the involved parties had a crane or a sufficiently tall ladder. Esmeralda then pointed out that she has the ability to make her hands and feet incredibly sticky and then climb up walls and other freestanding surfaces. A feat that she has been practicing quite frequently around the house, as I've mentioned in a previous episode. I countered by saying that even if she did manage to make it all the way up the tree, I'd still be concerned about her bearing the weight of the child as she tried to make her way back down. She countered by suggesting that I didn't have faith in her repelling abilities, but I replied that I just thought we should be as careful as possible in ensuring the boy's safety. She responded by unfurling her tongue, which is 15 feet long when entirely extended, and slapping me on the haunches with it. I was shocked and ran to the porch to be alone. Esmeralda attempted to apologize a few times, both verbally and through emitting a series of high-pitched shrieks, but I simply didn't want to hear it. I don't know, guys, what do you think? Was I the jerk here? Was I wrong to call 911 to get a boy down from a tree? Instead of allowing my wife to climb it and carry him down, uh, did I deserve to get slapped on the haunches by her incredibly long tongue? I still have the bruise on my haunches from this quite literal tongue lashing. Whatever I'm sure things will work out. It's a difficult thing, however, for a relationship to overcome. If one partner has the ability to suction their way up a freestanding structure, the other does need to respect and support that. However, if one partner desires to protect the sanctity of their haunches, the other partner should respect those boundaries. I hope we can bridge those gaps and continue to have a happy life together. And also, I hope she stops spraying acid from her nose when she reads a bad tweet. I'd love both, but at this point, I'd probably take either. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Community Billboard, giving you the scoop on upcoming events throughout the province. Next Wednesday, the Treehearn Weightlifting Club will make their annual attempt to get local resident Shep Ashwood's van out of the pond near Sean's house. This is the group's fourth try after the 2018 incident in which Ashwood got drunk And drove the vehicle into the pond in pursuit of a figure he was convinced was the notorious westman witch but which turned out to be a harmless leprechaun each of the club's three previous attempts to retrieve the van were unsuccessful due to a lack of manpower a tornado and a curse from the westman witch This year just might be different however since jake has been taking truly dangerous amounts of steroids over the last six months so his lowered resistance to infection just might be shep's gain the shindig kicks off at 7 p.m with a dj set from jets defenseman neil pionk this friday in canadian basketball league action the winnipeg nips take on the moose jaw stingers The Nips have had a tough season so far, with their four best players missing dozens of games due to COVID-19, a league-worst record of 2-42, and and an unfortunate incident in which the team's plane entered the Bermuda Triangle, traveled back in time, and started a war between the US and Canada that resulted in the death of a young Al Waxman. Meanwhile, the Stingers, at 33-9, are on pace to have a franchise best season, with star power forward Todd Holland racking up 36 points a game, an all-star game appearance, and a passionate May-December romance with Kim Cattrall. Another Stingers player to look out for is rookie point guard Jake Plaxson, who has racked up 12 points a game in his last six games after being freed from the clutches of the astrology cult that had taken over his condo. The game starts at 8 p.m. Central, at Joey Gregorish Center, and will be broadcast on CNX-TV. Play-by-play will be provided by veteran announcer Carl Braxton, returning after his one-month suspension, resulting from his controversial on-air rant in which he threatened to fight the whale who ate his brother. Finally, the Winkler Slingshot Museum is throwing a party on Saturday to celebrate the addition of three slingshots to their permanent collection. The first is the slingshot used by notoriously incompetent thief Augustus Shanks, who robbed fifteen different trains at Slingshot Point throughout the 1880s, earning a grand total of $15 for his efforts. Shanks retired from slingshot robbery in 1912 and died in 1918 of complications from halitosis. The second is from the collection of Dennis Stocking, the North Carolina man who, as a child, earned the nickname the real dennis the menace for his habit of using his ever-present slingshot to toss explosives at public buildings this resulted in the burning of a post office a lengthy stint in juvenile detention and following his release a series of high-profile domestic terrorist attacks perpetrated with his neighbor one mr wilson The third slingshot is from legendary cave dweller shauna gloush who lived with Wolves for a 10-year period before being killed by the god Jupiter after he accidentally struck her with his Audi. Admission to the party is $20, wine and cheese will be served, and there will be a DJ set from, you guessed it, Winnipeg Jets defenseman Jordy Ben. And that's it for this week's episode. I'll leave you with these words of wisdom. When the mom of life picks you up from the cheerleading practice of eternity, You better not mention you saw me smoking weed behind the bleachers. Toodles.